This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. So after a five-week search for a head coach, the Cardinals landed Jonathan Gannon. And now within a matter of days, an offensive coordinator hired, a defensive coordinator hired, several other coaches in the mix. So yeah, we deserve, we need a second Cardinals Red Sea Report show this week with everything that is going on because you got the scouting combine in one week, the NFL free agency beginning in less than a month. So yeah, after a slow January, Drew, things have certainly picked up here in February. Yeah, they certainly did, and it's exciting, right? This is what the NFL wants. It wants this year-round excitement as you parlay, which seems like the Super Bowl just left town, uh, into now the scouting combine, and it's on TV, and it's the Underwear Olympics, and everybody gets to run around and get poked and prodded and all of these things, and you go from that, the free agency, and there's so many questions. You know, Are they going to tap into the pipeline in Philadelphia? Are they going to tap into the knowledge they have in Cleveland? What are you going to be able to do? Maybe Minnesota. Guys, you know, look at this roster, and it's going to be completely different than it was last year. That's just the given of the NFL. But the excitement around this organization now and what seemed like an eternity to find a head coach has now been sped up and saying the most important pieces are in place for the coordinators because that's the direction that you're going to go. You know, there's so much speculation as we talked the last couple of weeks of, like, Where do you go as far as the head coach is concerned? Once you hire the head coach, they should know who their coordinators are going to be, right? You're not going into this blind and saying, well, we're going to see if this guy wants to come. There was a systematic approach of what they wanted, and that's why it happened so quickly, and it needed to happen so quickly. You've got to be able to have a solid support system in place for Kyler Murray. You have to have a solid support system in place for Buda Baker to say, man, I am so excited to get to work and get back to work and make this franchise what it can be. And we saw Paul last night on episode one, season six of Cardinals Flight Plan. We saw that moment between owner Michael Bidwell and head coach Jonathan Gannon in the plane talking about the coaching staff. No names given, but you could see Gannon was excited. Oh, yeah, they'll be here. They'll come running. They want to be Arizona Cardinals coaches. And we're getting a look, and we'll get a look at those coaches over the next several days and weeks to come. But, yeah, it has been fast and furious, to say the least. Yeah, when you guys say that, when Drew says sped up, there's no doubt. I mean, it. You know, we probably should start the show like Jonathan Gannon starts every single press conference at this point, coming in with a, all right, let's go! Yeah, and, 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 and you can hear him and you can feel him before you ever see him when he turns the corner. That's the sort of big energy, and we got a sense of that on flight plan. And yeah, that was a great moment when they're already, to Drew's point, they already had names. They were naming names on camera, but they were looking at the same piece of paper and like, okay, this guy, and then this guy, and he had little scanner reports, and so boom, 
here we are. I mean, I'm going to clear stuff out of my garage this weekend, Gree, that's older than the Cardinals <laughs> defensive coordinator, okay? I mean, they have hit the reset button here at Cardinals HQ in a big way. It is palpable, the energy and the enthusiasm on that side of the building here at Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. We'll talk more about Drew Petzing and Nick Rollis momentarily, but when the owner speaks, you listen. Owner Michael Bidwell on the Day Patch podcast earlier this week. Andrew, you mentioned the roster, how much this roster will look different come 2023 week one. Here's Michael on having conversations about what this roster needs with new general manager Monty Austinfort. Number one, we spent a lot of time talking about Kyler and what type of offense we should be running and how to protect him and where we should be spending our money. We've got a lot of money tied up in a couple of different positions. And so I think you're going to see that change. We're going to, I think you're going to see us beefing up the offensive line, the defensive line. We've got to get help at corner. Um, we've got to get a, a, just more protection for Kyler. Sure. And then we've got to be able to rush the passers, especially in the, in the NFC West. You look at the number of free agents that this team has, and I've narrowed the list down from 33 to 30 because I've eliminated J.J. Watt. He's retired. A.J. Green has retired. And according to reports late last night, Chris Banjo is now part of the Denver Broncos coaching staff and his assistant special teams coordinator. So congratulations to Banjo. But 30 unrestricted free agents, and that's not to say, Drew, about what Monty wants what Jonathan wants with respect to guys that are here under contract, do they fit, whether that's a change this season or seasons to come? Exactly, and that's the beauty of free agency is you have so much tape. You have a lot of carryover of people that are in the building for the scouting department. You have all that to be able to have at your disposal, and you have the fighter or the right of first refusal. So in saying that, you've got to say and prioritize, okay, do we look at a guy like Zach Allen and say, we want to keep him here. This is a guy that we can build off of that's really been able to stay healthy, that's been able to get after the quarterback, that can be a presence on the defensive line, as Michael talked about in his quote there. Uh, That's really what you're looking for. And again, it's no secret to what this team needs, right? You look at it, and it's, it's where you start every single offseason. And we've talked about it many times, and every person that ever plays this game should start with the offense and defensive line because everything is predicated on establishing the line of scrimmage. And last year, with some horrible luck, but I'll, I'll, you know, even when the quote-unquote starters were out there, it was not a high level of play for the offensive line. Kyler was running for his life from the onset of the season. They've talked about getting under center and doing some of this stuff. How that marries up with Kyler, obviously you, you've got to be able to intertwine that with what you can install when Kyler's not going to be out there for the vast majority of the offseason or all of the offseason. So there's a lot of ways this thing could go and how you're going to build it, but it has to start from within, and that's how every Every team should look at it because you're in a position this year to get a corner piece as far as a pass rusher is concerned, right? You want to go get guys that are going to be difference makers that can, you know, win one-on-one matchups or going to, you know, garner double teams so then you can create one-on-ones other places. So they have that opportunity right now. You just have to make sure that you maximize that on top of this roster is very thin. So you're going to have to hit on later round picks. You're going to have to take chances on some of these guys that might have a question mark here or there or this area or that, but have the ability and you find the diamond in the rough and you feel good about what that is because, again, this roster has so many needs 
corners don't grow on trees. Guys that can just do that. You've got to find guys that can stop the Cooper Cups of the world, that can go outside and be able to also stop DK Metcalf. Corners are a premium. Offensive linemen are a premium, and defensive linemen are a premium, and those are all three major needs for this team. Is the NFL a copycat league? Absolutely. That's a rhetorical question. Look (laughs) at the two teams standing in the Super Bowl. Eagles had arguably the best offensive line in the league. What did Kansas City do this time last year? They put a priority on fixing their offensive line because they realized what a liability was in last year's playoffs, even with the best quarterback on the planet. They had to go out and fix that offensive line, which they did. And then to Drew's point, they crushed the draft. They had a top three draft class from top to bottom, and I mean from top to bottom. They had running back one out of the seventh round, and we could spend all the time in the world talking about three rookies and a rookie safety in that secondary. So you have to have that sort of mindset and then hopefully that sort of success as you hit the reset button and you do this rebuild. And as for the comment that we have a lot of money tied up in a couple of positions, I think it's safe to say you're talking about receiver and tight end. And so, okay, what's going to happen there? And obviously there's a massive cap hit coming with DeAndre Hopkins, whether you trade him or not. But the fact that Jonathan Gannon said yesterday he'd yet to talk to D-Hop, I'm going to read into that and see, okay, you know what? That's pending. That's to be decided. Monty, though, has spoken with D-Hop and was very effusive in his praise of number 10 and wanting him to be a part of this if it works out that way. Again, that's just part of this early looking at the roster and evaluating, but it always comes back to Kyler Murray, his health. When is he going to be available this upcoming season? Michael talking about that with Dave Pash. You know, I think it's going to be earlier than, you know, this mid-season, so hopefully it's towards the, the beginning of the season. But, you know, I, I don't want to put any specific dates because there could be setbacks. Sure. There could be uh, it, the progress could slow. But I think right now, I mean, he's a young man. It looks like he's a fast healer. Things are going well. Um, let's hope that keeps going the way it is and, and then that um, there are no setbacks. Surgery was January 3rd. Yes, there are time frames, timetables, the typical 8 to 10, 12-month process. But I like what Jonathan Gannon had to say Thursday, Drew, when asked about a timetable. Quote, whenever Kyler is fully healthy to play, that's when he'll play. And we just don't know when that's going to be at this point. And that may leave a big unknown going into this offseason. Yeah, it's a huge unknown. I think that everybody's always ahead of the curve, right? If you think about, oh, he's ahead of the curve. I think Chase Young is the only guy that truly stayed true to the timeline as far as everybody's like, when's he going to come back? When's he going to come back? Obviously, Washington wanted him back as fast as possible. This is a similar type of situation. They want him back as soon as possible. Michael is going to obviously push the envelope of getting him on the field, but he's got to be ready. I think the beauty in this, though, is Kyler can turn this into a positive. Take your legs out of training camp. Take your scramble ability out of training camp. Grow mentally. Grow through the process of becoming a pocket passer, relying on that. Don't rely on your feet because, look, those are going to be there. Eventually, he's going to get 100% healthy. Until he's 100% healthy, obviously, you keep all of the trash away from him and training camp as far as people at his feet and doing all of those things and and you send a very clear message a very loud and clear message that nobody gets near the quarterback but then Kyler has this opportunity if he 
seeks it out of saying, okay, where can I really make leaps and bounds as far as a passing quarterback, as far as anticipation goes, as far as all of these things, reading the defensive, going, what's going on. And I talked about it last time on the show. When you have a defensive head coach, you can tap into that resource and say, okay, help me help myself when I'm out there. How can I think, what would I do to stop Kyler Murray? What would I do here? And they talked about going underneath center. They talked about some different things. You've got to be able to really take ownership of why you were deemed the franchise quarterback and take this team to a new height because it's it's out in front of you, right? It's apparent. They are doing everything to help Kyler Murray, and so he needs to do everything he can in his power to help this franchise in return. By the way, also on that Dave Pash podcast, the interview with owner Michael Bidwell, news that Colt McCoy is going to be limited this offseason, had a minor procedure, according to Jonathan Gannon, done after the season. So at this point, Drew, there are no real healthy quarterbacks on the roster. David Blau is restricted. Trace McSorley is unrestricted. I'm getting to the point here, Paul, where you know we've got this guy in the studio right now who... I wouldn't pass ringing? the physical. No, they they already physical. failed me one time. That's why I got kicked out the door. Uh, they're going to need a camp arm. Actually, yeah. oh, a camp arm. They're going to need an OTA. I got an arm. Yeah, I got an arm. Forget no, that. They need yeah. an OTA arm is yeah. what they're going to need based on uh, right now. Hey, Jacoby Brissett, right? Already the connection's being made. Drew Petzing, Jacoby Brissett. We'll see no. about that. Baker Mayfield. I'm no. I, no. Gardner Minshew. Maybe. Okay. I'm just going to throw names. We'll wear the GM hat <laughs> Ky- later. Kyler but. and Cole McCoy have one other thing in common besides their injury designation right now. They both apparently want a piece of Jonathan Gannon one-on-one on the basketball court. That's what JG shared with the media. And he and then he followed up by saying, and I will beat them. And so uh, Jonathan Gannon, former star high school point guard who won a state championship in Ohio once upon a time. Uh, everybody thinks he has game, and they want to test their game against a new head coach. Those talking about Kyler and Colt, they might want to do a little bit of background on their head coach as far as his skill set in high school. Yes, it's been a few years, but uh, Jonathan was uh, very adept at all sports. He, he says he can still dunk, by the way, at age 40 and with a Bo Jackson hip injury. Let's worry about the football field before we worry about the basketball <laughs> Agreed. court. I'm getting 100% for that. Agreed. Hey, last item on Michael's interview on the Day Patch podcast, which, by the way, episode 56 featuring Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, available now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at Hash Pod. We heard Monty Austin Ford during his introductory press conference talking about the draft and what the draft is going to look like as far as the prep. Maybe not so much this season, but in years coming on how this team prepares for the draft in April. Michael, on what the draft preparation might look like in the future. You know, we've talked about our system, which is about to be our former system of best player available for for draft and and things along those lines. He comes from a completely different system, and I I would call it the New England system with a little bit of a modification. And that's where they're looking for specific type of players with specific types of characteristics, and they're not worried about what everybody else thinks, and um, we're just changing systems here. It's not going to look much different this year. What Monty didn't want to do is because a lot of scouting has happened, but going into the 2023 college football season, we're going to make that full change as soon as the draft is over. And then the 24 draft will look a lot like a modified New England, modified Tennessee system. Very curious on what that's going to look like, Paul, because you're accustomed to doing something one way, and then all of a sudden, yes, it's too late to change that now. And with the number three overall pick, 
you need to pick the best player available, but looking at specific players regardless of need, but what fits what you want to do on both sides of the ball. And let's face it, Monty Austin Ford is the ultimate decision maker on this roster. He might have sort of a working knowledge of what the Cardinals have, but he doesn't have that firsthand, I watch this guy in practice for every single day. I watch this guy during a season. So I don't think it's a bad thing, honestly, that they can't institute a brand new system until after this draft, because guess what? That means they have all this season truly evaluate what's going to be on this roster and then they can sort of reverse engineer and say all right now we truly know our needs and we know the identity we want especially based on what the coaches want and we're going to go ahead and fill those needs accordingly now you look at what this team has done this past draft the most recent draft the cardinals in that rookie class 22 starts trey mcbride started 13 of those 22 games compared that to what the seahawks got yep 70 starts out of their draft class. Even the 49ers pulled an offensive line starter out of day three. So, yeah, it needs to be better. There's no doubt about it. It's a big reason why there has been big change already here in 2023. Change on this offense. What might that look like as we continue here on this special edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. The offense, new offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, what is he bringing to the table with respects to Kyler and the rest of that 10-man starters plus the quarterback? This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I structured everybody that I interviewed around Kyler. The questions I was asking about philosophically, how we're going to play on offense, what I think is really hard for defenses moving forward into 2023 and beyond. Um, a lot of those had to do with Kyler. Uh, in my opinion, that's the num- one of the number one jobs of the offensive coordinator is to maximize the skill set of the quarterback and the other positions as well. But we know that's the position that makes it go. So uh, that was uh, very centric around all the interviews. And um, I liked his answer. No question. Kyler Murray has to be or had to be the focal points of Jonathan Gannon's search for an offensive coordinator. And Kyler was, as you heard there from Coach Gannon, as we welcome you back to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Rayleigh, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi. And yes, the Cardinals do have a head coach. And they do have an offensive coordinator in 35-year-old Drew Petzing. The past three seasons with the Browns, quarterbacks coach last season, Paul, two seasons prior to that, working with the tight ends when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. That's why I threw out Mayfield's name earlier in the show. But looking at what Petzing brings now to the table, and yes, it's always going to start with the quarterback. No doubt. In fact, I would say not only central to the higher end of the OC, but the head coach himself. I mean, he checked a lot of boxes, Jonathan Gannon, bringing the accountability and the leadership as needed on this team and this organization right now. That was voiced by Michael Bidwell in the latest episode of Cardinals Flight Plan. Bringing that energy, yes. Yes, he's part of a Philly rebuild that went from four wins, just like the Cardinals, to the Super Bowl in two years. I get it. But first and foremost has to be the franchise quarterback and the $230 million investment in Kyla Murray. So unless you came 
loaded with a plan for Kyla Murray, both the head coach and the offensive coordinator, guess what? They wouldn't be here right now wearing Cardinals colors. No real specifics, Drew, from Coach Petzing as far as what to do with Kyla Murray. We always saw that wait and see, the adaptability, what do their players do best, and then we'll adjust to that. But it's compounded and made more difficult, which Petzing addressed earlier, when you don't have Kyler at your disposal. You can't get him on the football field this offseason. So how do you teach a brand new or a little bit different or a lot different of an offense when your quarterback and I'll include Colt McCoy in that as well as he's rehabbing from a procedure postseason when you can't get those guys on the football field? Well, I think it's a little bit different from the quarterback position though, right? It is you're in practice, so you're relying more on be, being you know, conservative with the pass game. You're not sitting there and scrambling or running zone reads or doing things like that. You know you're not going to hit, get hit. So the mindset's different, right? I think this offseason could look very similar as if Kyler was healthy because they're not going to be doing a lot of stuff. Obviously, we know that you know he has to be on the field in order to do that. He has not been able to stay on the field, you know, for the early portion of his career because of injuries as they've kind of mounted up. And everybody wants to see him run. They know he's capable of running, but he is an elite passer. That's what makes him so hard to defend. Is he keeps plays alive, but he can also stay in the pocket. Right, the ball was coming out quickly. He was doing stuff when his feet were really good and he was in sync and going through his reading, his progression, and his feet and his eyes matched up. He was. Doing doing everything that you wanted to see him do. He just didn't do that at a consistent level. So in saying that, that's what the offseason is for, right? You start with the fundamentals whenever he's you know released for football activities, but he can start learning the offense. He can start piecing it together of what it's going to look like. He can have open dialogue. The communication is what is so, so important. And I think that's where things got lost in translation between him and Cliff and the old regime that was here is it kind of got soured. You know, I think back to training camp when he was like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a running back. I'm not here to run the ball, and I only if I have to. Well, when the pass game doesn't work or whatever you're trying to do, you have to shift. You have to pivot. You have to be able to go what's on. And that's one thing that they need to have set in stone here is this is what our offense is. This is who we are going to be. Are we going to be a run-first style of system like they had in Cleveland, right? You don't have that offensive line. You don't have Nick Chubb. You're not a zone running scheme right now unless you make that switch. And that might be a whole year until you have the luxury of doing that. Or does he lend more towards his time in Minnesota, right? Similar system, but a little bit more of a West Coast type of thing where the ball is coming out. You've got to make quick reads. You're going to be under center, as we've talked about, which is something that's talked about a lot. Can you do that in the pistol? Can you kind of get a little bit of separation because Kyler feels comfortable or has been more comfortable in the gun? Can you do all these things? So that's why, to me, the offseason is all about communication and then having a plan that goes into the season that you adapt throughout the course of what's going on because, again, this roster is going to look differently. And as injuries mount up or as free agency happens, where they place their premium on guys, where they're thin at different positions, that's really what you've got to do is look at your roster and say, okay, who are the best skill group of guys we can get on the field to make Kyler Murray as good and as comfortable as he can be? To that point, as far as the communication, here's Petzing on how he'll go about teaching Murray this offense. A lot of that's going to come from the meeting rooms. Uh, certainly, you know, expect him to still be involved in the meetings at walkthroughs. I know it's something, you know, we'll meet with him and he's, you know, he puts in time to make sure that he's ready to go. So a lot of it may be more oriented to the classroom, whether it's quizzes or watching tape or asking questions. Gannon 
jumped in after that answer, Paul, on Thursday. And I thought added to that as far as not just this offseason, but in the season as well, as far as meetings being competitive, a full-time job. And players like Kyler, quote, will get stressed out mentally because right now that's all they have as far as the limited amount of time on the field. So your work is going to be done in the classroom. There's no doubt. And, and, and this is where he needs to assert himself as the leader. And you heard what the Eagles said, the veteran players said about Jalen Hurts and the respect they had for him. And so when you hear the stories of Kyler Murray, is here till 9 o'clock at night on a weekday doing rehab as Jonathan Gannon left and saw a really nice car in his words, did a 180 and came back and there's Kyler Murray. I think that's where this process starts gaining that respect of everyone in the locker room and it's going to be a different locker room so he's going to have an ability to make another first impression on a lot of guys and certainly this coaching staff and then in reverse when I hear this coaching staff talk especially Jonathan Gannon and Drew give me your thoughts on this I hear what Mike McDaniel did with Tua last year and trying to rebuild his confidence I hear that I try telling him look yeah, the stats last year were not kind. In fact, I mean, ESPN just flashed it up there again yesterday after the Drew Petzing press conference. 6.1 yards per passing attempt, lowest among all starting quarterbacks. The downfield passing attack was non-existent last season for whatever reason. And that's something Kyler excelled at in his two Pro Bowl years. So you have to rebuild not just the knee, but I think his confidence and how comfortable he feels in this system. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I coined a phrase when I was here, actually, of, look, confidence is the most important thing to have when you step foot on the field. It's the easiest thing to lose and the hardest thing to get back. Mm. Tua got that back. Mike McDaniel infused that into him. It's easy when you get to throw to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and you throw the ball up and it gets completed. Uh, but again, there is a process. There is a systematic approach. You don't just step foot on that field and be like, okay, I got my confidence back. Uh, to your point, right, how you make that possible, how you close that gap is in the classroom. And they know that. These coaches know that. That's why they're placing an emphasis on that. Because when you do see cover two, it's just a different set of cover two beaters. You know, obviously, everybody knows what the areas of weakness that you can attack cover two. But how do you do that in the pass game? How can you manufacture all of this stuff? And the easy answer is, well, run them out of cover two. Well, what if you can't run them out of cover two? What if they can keep both those safeties deep because you're not doing that? Can you still push the ball down the field? There's ways to do it, but you have to be strategic. You have to be smart. And you can't miss the opportunities when they come because they had opportunities. It was just an overthrow here, an underthrow there, a drop pass here, a wrong angle there. The the details are what matter most, and that has to come from the quarterback position of him knowing it in and out and putting that time in, as you talked about, because, again, this is what the defenses are doing nowadays. Jonathan Gannon, I believe it was, in the lead and talked about, hey, we're trying to build a defense for years to come, right? The blueprint right now is these athletic quarterbacks that can make off-schedule plays, keep eyes on the quarterback, keep everything in front of you, and don't get the ball thrown over your head. We saw that with a lot of these quarterbacks, and they're going to eventually throw you a ball or two or three or whatever it is because they're not going to be able to be patient and outlast it. And, and so that's what defensive coordinators are going to do until you find a way to truly beat cover two, stay in the pocket, move the pocket a little bit, change the launch point, and get the ball down the field. This week on the Day Patch podcast, owner Michael Bidwell didn't use that specific word of confidence, but he did talk about making things easier for Kyler. Well, I think what we're going to do is is uh, try to take some of the pressure off of him. The way the offense was before, he, he had a choice on almost every play we ran. 
And so we were making him think too much, and we were making him put too much pressure on him. And what we need him to do is to play faster and to play with that, um, that confidence that will come with, okay, I don't have to get every first down. I can hand the ball off. I know they're going to put him under center quite a bit, and that's going to take some of the pressure off. We've heard a lot in the last couple of days, Drew, about Kyler Murray being under center, whether that was Gannon to Peter King or earlier this week during the press conference because there has been no quarterback that has operated out of the shotgun more than Kyler Murray, not only this past season, but over the last three seasons as far as, and we've heard, you put a quarterback in shotgun defensively, now all of a sudden there are certain things I know that you as a quarterback cannot do out of shotgun. Yeah, and Ron Wolfley is somewhere right now just <laughs> grinning ear to ear of being under center. Right? He's, he's already started his Martini Friday. In fact, it was three or four days ago when he got the Peter King story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, look, that's what you want to do because it balances everything up. And saying that, Kyler has always been in the shotgun. He is comfortable in the shotgun. There's there's benefits and there's negatives to being under center. You've got to be able to mix it up, and that's what I kind of talked a lot a little bit earlier in the show. You can get the best of both worlds by being in the pistol, right? Nevada became well-known for being in the pistol because you can still put the running back in the quote-unquote home position. He's right behind the center. It balances stuff up. It doesn't allow you to set your front or be able to change things and give things away defensively, but it does give that three, four-yard gap away from the line of scrimmage, so he has visibility. Now, there's also the thing that ties into it of being able to catch the snap. When you're under center, you don't have to do anything. It's just a pop. You have the balls. Your eyes never have to drop down to catch, and that fraction of a second could make a difference. So there's so many things that go into it. I think being able to stay ahead of the curve, keep teams at bay as far as tendencies of what you're doing. But again, Kyler is going to have to buy into what that all means because there is probably a comfort level that he's had of being in the gun for as long as he has and doing different things and and whatnot. Again, that's the old system. And what do most people do when they fire the old system? They go the complete opposite direction. I mean, that was the adage in the NFL when I first got in the league. You fire a you fire a defensive head coach, you know they're going to go get an offensive head coach, and it's very similar. To what's going on right now is, is you've got to be able to look at what it is, and I think Jonathan Gannon has the ability and the energy of being a leader of men, and he went out and he hired some really good young guys that are up and coming that are going to infuse life of what's going on because this is a game of effort, and effort was also in question last year at this time or last year throughout the course of the season. Kyler lined up under center just or less than 3% of the time over the last three seasons. So now how dramatic is this offense going to look? I mean, Paul, all you have to do is get Kyler under center three or four more times per game, and all of a sudden it looks different. Well, remember the quote, the Peter King, and I am quoting Jonathan Gannon, quote, I think this offense will look much different, dot, dot, dot. We're not going to put him in the gun all the time, I'll tell you that much. We're going to have two significant offenses with his skill set. And the number I had not seen was up on ESPN yesterday that of his 437 dropbacks, only six were from under center last year. And yes, that was the lowest percentage among NFL quarterbacks. You want to see how much Kyler Murray lines up under center? Join the season ticket priority list right now. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more information. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. vision of how I want to play defense and how I want the defensive players to act and 
the coaches to serve the players. He had that vision. He shared that vision with me. Uh, very high capacity, very high character, which were those were the two most um, important part of pieces for me hiring coaches. And he has those and uh, complete faith in Nick to run the defense. So the offense will look different. How much different will this defense look with a first-time coordinator? Nick Rollis is your DC, as you heard Jonathan Gannon explain coming into this segment here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Welcome back. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi. Now, how much different will the defense look? Well, it could look dramatically different depending on what happens this offseason, Paul, because a number of those Eagles free agents come on the defensive side of the ball. And yes, Jonathan Gannon, former Eagles DC. Nick Rollis, former Eagles linebackers coach, served under Gannon in the past two seasons. So this does this defense does have pieces but with respects to the number of free agents and what you want to do defensively, I could see a dramatic shift defensively. Well, think about the Eagles last year. Nobody blitzed less, less frequently than Philadelphia. They didn't need to, right? I mean, they had dudes. They had four guys with 11 or more sacks. They had 70 sacks in the regular season, 15 more than any other team. And I know all the Eagles fans out there, Philly Nation, like, oh, geez, we didn't blitz enough. Well, you didn't need to. If you can rush three or four and drop seven or eight, that's what you're going to do. Now, as for the Cardinals and what Vance Joseph had to do yep. because of a lack of edge rushers, he couldn't have been any more aggressive for the most part in bringing numbers, although maybe he dialed it down a little bit towards the end of the year because it just got to be too risky and they were too susceptible. So, yeah, to your point, um, it is a complete unknown based on the de- defensive coordinator, based on the parts on the defense. You know, a Javon Hargrave is going to be a free agent. Philly can't re-sign everyone. And so maybe, and the Cardinals need on that defensive line minus J.J. Watt. I could see one of those big names, one of those big guys in the trenches from Philadelphia coming to the Cardinals real early in free agency. Fletcher Cox, Linville Joseph, yeah. just to name a few. But you look at what the I mean, Eagles... they rolled in Dominic and Sue <laughs> off the bench at the very end. I, it's amazing. Counting the playoffs, Drew, and I know you love next gen stats, so I'll give you one. <laughs> 20 games total for the Eagles this past season. 57 of the 78 sacks, you're talking 73% recorded without blitzing. So that means you've got seven in coverage, and that's the Eagles' success. Cardinals didn't have that last season. No, uh, they did not. (laughs) Or else there would be a different look to this team right now. Uh, And saying that, you're not going to just pick up that whole defense or bring them over here. You can't. Heck, I'd bring both those corners over here if I could because Darius Slay and James Bradbury can play football. The demeanor of that team, though, right? The, the onset of what they were looking for, the leadership of Jonathan Gannon, right? We've seen it because of the press conferences, as Paul had uh, talked about earlier in the show. That's what does come along. That is what comes along on top of knowing somebody in that building, much like how I ended up in Arizona, right? Bruce Arians was my offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. Absolutely loved him, knew the offense, signed me up to come to Arizona. It worked out, and it was a great opportunity because there's familiarity there. You don't have to learn anything else. You know what you're getting into. There's unknowns in this league, and then there's the comfort of knowing who you're playing for, who the leader of of the team is going to be, and you look at two pieces in place, right? You're bringing two guys from Philadelphia along that have a certain way of doing things, and it might not happen this year, again, but it's going to happen over time of how they want to play defense, how they want to get after the quarterback, and again, there's some very good quarterbacks in this league 
league that you've got to be able to hold at bay. And you can't bring numbers because they're going to recognize that, and then you're going to start losing one-on-one matchups on the outside. So when you can get home with four, when you can get pressure with four, it is an extreme advantage for defensive coordinators. You just got to make sure you've got the dudes up front to do it. Let's hear from the Cardinals' new defensive coordinator, Nick Rollis, on what makes a successful defensive coordinator. Being adaptable, and more specifically, be adaptable to the players that you have, right? Being able to utilize our guys' skill sets that puts them in the best position to win games. Ultimately, what do we have to do on a week-to-week basis to beat the opponent? And there's a whole other component as far as serving the players, right? And that's everybody in the organization doing what their job is in order to truly maximize a player's ability and potential. Rollis also during his introductory press conference earlier this week talked about the influences in his career, including a Jonathan Ginn and also a Mike Zimmer, a Jeff Howard. Rollis, yes, he's enthusiastic, maybe not to the extent of his head coach, but that energy and what he called emotional intelligence is what he brings to the table. Being energetic is not the same thing as, as being emotional. You know, one thing that I always strive to be and that I expect from, from my staff defensively is to be highly emotionally intelligent and to be the same person every single day. And I, I kind of refer to it often as emotional intelligence of ultimately being in a state of mind where you are optimal to solve problems. And that is not the same thing as being energetic. I think you have to have both. You hear that description, Paul, and the one player on that defensive side that comes to mind, and it was the one player that Rollis brought up unpromoted or unannounced, is Buda Baker and that secondary. No doubt. I mean, look, Buda pound for pound, either side of the ball is the best player on the Arizona Cardinals roster. These coaches know it. The league knows it. Talked about Buddha setting the standard of how you play. We saw that in hard knocks. The coaches love to put on film of Buddha Baker. In the words of Nick Rowless, that's how he plays violently and he's explosive. And so, okay, you know, that's the epicenter of your defense. And I'm going to guess that he's going to be that X factor, just like, you know, Vance Joseph did. You're going to move him around. You're going to make sure the other quarterback is, uh, you know, is aware of where Buddha Baker is going to be. It's some of those other parts. You know, is Zayvon Collins going to truly be that guy for Nick Rowless. I tried to get in a couple of times with a question and I couldn't, then it got shut down. I want to know, you know, what is the plan for Zayvon Collins? Is he automatically going to be the quarterback of this defense or does Zayvon Collins have to prove it to the new D.C.? Yeah, well, I think the other thing that's going to be interesting, right, is we talk about Buda. We and we are enamored with Buda. Jalen Thompson is a very, very good safety in his own right. And I think that's why you see Buddha still getting these opportunities. Because if you just have one good safety, you can go away from him. When you have two, it creates a whole different set of circumstances. And then you look at this team. Our safeties are very different from the safeties that were in Philadelphia. They were interchangeable nickels. We're not going to interchange those guys and ask them to cover slot guys and do stuff. You think of C.J. Gardner-Johnson and what he brings to the table of making those trades. You think of you know the guys that they've had there in the past at that safety position. They do look a little bit different. So they talk about adaptability. They talk about all of these things. 
And then you also talk about somebody like Isaiah Simmons. Where does he fit in? Because he's adaptable in a lot of different ways. But how can you maximize a top 10 overall pick to get the most out of him that we're still waiting to see more of because of that? The athletes are in place, and that's one thing. But the system's going to look a little bit different based off of you can't completely overhaul all of it on top of some of your marquee players are going to be in different spots than you would have had in Philadelphia. And last season, Isaiah worked predominantly with the safeties does that stay do we see him more as an edge rusher does he line up closer to the line of scrimmage i know adaptability and each week is its own game week as far as prep but there's a certain segment paul that would like to see isaiah just man one position do they put him back at will and see if he can handle that once upon a time he was drafted to be the will linebacker devondre campbell was let go and what happened he went to the Packers the next season was an all-pro Will linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. So maybe they throw him back there. And by the way, you have a big contract decision coming up on Isaiah Simmons by May. You have to make that decision, Correct. right? Yeah, do you exercise that fifth-year option for the former first-round draft pick? A number of questions need to be answered. How quickly do we get those answers? We continue. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I'm a big person on roles. Like once you define roles for people and what you're accountable for, um, who you're accountable to, and what's the expectation of your role, then I think that's how ownership is created, where you take that over because you clearly know it's clearly defined for you. It's a positive thing. Discipline is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. And our guys, will they'll feel that from us. Accountability. We heard that from owner Michael Bidwell when the change was made immediately at the end of the regular season. We've heard it from general manager Monty Austin Fort, and now we've heard it from head coach Jonathan Gannon. That accountability, and Paul, it's not negative as you just heard that soundbite, but there is a standard. There will be a standard that all players and coaches, and basically you and I as well, everyone within this building, that will be held to. And if you don't meet that standard, then yes, you will be held accountable and you might not be here much longer. Yeah, and that's the definition, right? Define what winning is, hold everyone to that same standard, and to hear Jonathan Gannon tell it, we're not just talking about game days, you're talking about every single day, effective immediately. There's going to be a lot of change, and there's going to be a lot of eyes on every single player. Are you part of the problem? Are you part of the answer? And are you part of the future? And so a lot of those decisions are going to be made, and some are going to be made strictly off film and the finances, and then other guys are going to be made during OTAs and minicamp. It could be a dramatic change for players when they walk into this building, Drew, for the first time or had that first team meeting with the head coach. And it's going to be an adjustment, and those that can adjust and handle maybe a little bit more harder coaching will be here, and those that can't will be eventually weeded out. Yeah, well, I think there's excitement, though, right? And going through head coaching changes throughout the course of my career, you're always optimistic that it's going to be greener on the other side. And I think somebody like Jonathan Gannon gives you reason for excitement. He gives reason because he's been there. He's done that. He is the same guy. And hand-in-hand with accountability is consistency. 
because there's nothing worse than relying on a guy that is inconsistent. There's nothing worse than trying to trust somebody that is inconsistent. And that just goes across in life. But when you have your leaders are consistently doing everything right, they major in the little details of what's going on. That matters. And everything he's talked about will lend you to believe that. The people that he hired will lend you to believe that. That was not always the case here or in other places, right? And that's when it matters most. When the game is on the line, can you rely on the person next to you? Can you be accountable to the person next to you? Because these games are so tight in the fourth quarter and throughout the buildup of what that means. We saw a Cardinals team in years past beat themselves. That's not possible. It's hard enough to go out and win a football game against a quality opponent. These teams that we saw playing in January, they don't beat themselves. And we have a blueprint of what that can look like. And it starts with accountability and it starts with the culture. And those shifts can happen very quickly, just like they did in Jacksonville. On that subject of culture, last night on the Big Red Rage, Paul, you asked special guest Larry Fitzgerald about culture building. And here's what Fitz had to say. You know, accountability is something that I hear a lot of people talk about, but it has to be something that the players, because the players police the locker room. You know, when I got to Arizona, you know, our record wasn't wasn't great, but, you know, the way Emmitt Smith went about his business, the way Adrian Wilson went about their business, it was something that I could look to and say, look, these guys are are doing it at a high level, not only professionally on the football field, but they're doing it at a high level as men, individuals, and leaders. And so you have to develop that leadership. Like like the players that you draft, the free agents that you bring in, have to embody a lot of those characteristics because then it, then the coach doesn't have to talk about why you like to practice, that the energy in practice needs to pick up. Like Those things do not even happen to be addressed. And so it's a trickle-down effect. Buy-in. Players have to buy in to what the message is. Yeah, well, I mean, any good team we've ever been on, right, it's led by the players. The locker room is policed by the players and that's just the way that it is and and being with Larry right he held himself to such a high standard that you looked at him and you could try to emulate what was going on but you didn't have to police each other because you just didn't want to let the person down next to you that was so much of what it is and and we heard stories in the past again like we don't need to continue to harp on the past of what was here but when you let little things kind of just fester they become big things and when you're not you know take things for granted your attitude and your effort on the football field in practice it shows up in the game and don't forget cardinals just lost the biggest voice in the locker room jj watt we saw it in hard knocks he, he was maybe, at times, the entire team leader with what he had to say to that team at different moments, and it was frequent. And it was also intriguing to hear Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen give the same answer as to what they learned about Nick Sirianni turning a four-win team into a Super Bowl team in two years. Both of them, the first thing they cited was the accountability that Nick Sirianni instilled immediately in Philly. Next step for this Cardinals team, scouting combine in Indianapolis next week. Speaking of which, we will speak to you next week. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs) 